It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Take Idlewild at a base, sprinkle on a lot of talent, and multiply by American Idol. And you have my guest, Casey Abrams, performing at VIX Las Vegas, March 1st and 2nd at 7.30 and 8.45. For more information on the show, go to VIXLasVegas.com. For everything about Casey Abrams, go to CaseyBasie.com, and you can follow him on Facebook, Instagram, X, and YouTube. And Casey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. What a great intro. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So what is it about you and jazz? Uh, I think that it's free and you get to do what you want, basically. You know, that's that's the best part. Uh, jazz is uh, is, you know, there's 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 some plot points there. But most of all, it's, you know, if if there's something that says C major, you can do whatever you want that that really fits within. You can, you know, add two. you can add a seven major seven. You can do a sharp 11. You can do, you could voice it, you know, do, 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 or you can go, boo, do, do. You can do anything you want. And that's what I like about it. It's just literally just giving just a, a plot, not the whole story. And then you can solo over it. And that's what I like about improvising. You can improvise through life as well. <laughs> so you have to assume, of course, that you know how to play a bass before you can do all that other stuff. No, nah, you can scat sing too. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up, well, you, you grew up in a couple of different places, but. One of the most important parts is I mentioned it in the opening, the Idlewild influence, as I call it. And yeah. um, your association with a professional bassist there, uh, Hawkins, right? Marshall Hawkins, yes. Marshall Hawkins. I just drove up here, actually. Yeah, I um, I grew up here a long time ago. Um, we came here when I was about 10 years old in 2000, 2000 I think about 2000. And then uh, I'm, um, I'm uh, you know, I... I just went to school for a little bit, and then I went to Idaho Arts, the art school. It's, it's a boarding school, but I was a day student, so I could drive in and out. But yeah, I learned from Marshall Hawkins. I was blessed enough to to work with him, who's worked with Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock and Shirley Horn and all these amazing characters. And uh, I'm back here right now. I actually just drove up because I'm doing a Black History Month celebration that Marshall Hawkins is putting on, and I'm playing tomorrow. So it's it, it you keep it full circle and you know he, marshall hawkins was actually at one of the, the time that i did jazz on the show he came down and watched me in the audience it was amazing i bet that is coming full circle and another close connection in one sense although i don't know you but your dad's name is the same as me All right yeah so we, have, we have a little bit of a connection there so yeah, i exactly. obviously is a special place for you i guess your your folks still live there yes they do yeah they they've 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 been uh, when I moved out to Hollywood, they stayed there for about three years and then they moved from, you know, from Mexico to Portland to uh, Seattle to Arizona. But then they, the last couple of years, they've they've been here. So the, the traveling Abrams show. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're nomads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I almost wanted to use the term hippies, but I don't think it would necessarily be the, that's that's them they're they're that okay know. well that's good yeah because i'm thinking in terms of generationally that it would work out in that way so uh yeah. when did you know that you wanted to finally pursue 
jazz and and bass more than jazz just learning the bass because you had exposure to other instruments as well so what was it about the bass that attracted you to it um well i first thought about the bass just because uh it's it's easier than the electric guitar you know it's you're only playing one note and how i really got into it i remember you know queen and acdc when i'd play the electric bass i started off on the electric bass and I realized it's like every band needs a bass instrument. It's like nobody really, you know, because I was like, oh, I see three guitars, but it's actually two guitars and a bass, you know, mm-hmm. and and just that tone where it's like, oh, that's why I feel this this really great bowl of jelly energy. You know, it's like the jelly is the music, the bowl is the bass. You know, it's like, oh, that's that's why I feel like every, you know, the, you know, that's what a subwoofer is. That's what that frequency is that I love that rumbles you it's bass. So it started off with that. And, um, and I started to to play bass and orchestra in middle school, but it was just the electric bass. And then, so then when I got to jazz school, Marshall was like, Hey, that's, that's cool and all, but check this out. And he showed me the upright bass. And from there, I was like, Oh, this is amazing because I don't even have to plug this in. It's just the frequency and it's just playing against, it's literally like, like dancing with a partner, you know, you're, 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 you're playing your part, you know, that you, you play some strings and they feed you energy back. It's amazing. It's almost part of your body after a while, I would think. Exactly. Yeah. People are like, how do you carry that thing? It's like, I'm just, just just carrying my baby around, you know, it just feels like. (laughs) I always wonder though, the the poor bass player, when they have to fly and you have to, what do you do with the bass? You put, do you carry on and buy another ticket for it? Or do you have to store it with the airline and take the chance that it might get lost or damaged? I, well, if I'm, uh, I used to just kind of put it in the writer. I would just say, hey, rent a bass for me, please. But I now have a travel bass and uh, that that goes with me. And and there's certain parts of it I can take off that's less than 50 pounds. So technically it gets away with 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 going on the on the airplane. And so I, it, it comes in a very hard case, less than 50 pounds, and it goes underneath and it's fine. I always wondered about that. I know that it's not, it's not necessarily apropos of what we're talking about in general, but just the fact that there are musicians that obviously, they, who, for example, a trumpet player has a favorite trumpet and carries that trumpet with them. They don't rent the trumpet at the new venue. But in your case, you mentioned requesting in some cases with a writer that they rent a bass for you. So now you have this travel bass. So does that become your more personal bass because you're on the road with it more? I take it everywhere. I actually just did it, did a show at hotel cafe in LA um, for my birthday. And it was, uh, it was, yeah, I, I use that bass uh, rather than, you know, the 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 big the bigger bass because it just feels I, I don't know I just I, I feel it more you know right were, were your parents surprised by your decision to play professionally and with the bass as opposed to other instruments or going in a whole other direction uh, direction I don't think so no I think they they thought it was really cool that I was doing something different you know and when I when I first did American Idol I was <clears throat> I was just dis- you know, I discovered it with my mom and she was, she was, she was watching the ninth season with Adam Lambert and all those guys. And I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Or no, sorry. That was, we were watching the eighth season season, you know, this rewind thing with Adam Lambert and then the ninth season with Lee DeWise at, who won it. And um, I was just like, I want to, I want to get on that show and maybe I'll bring the base, you know, that that'll stand out. And she's like, I think he could do it. So we, you know, and then, you know, I, 
it just brought it on. And I, you know, cause I had, I had actually sat in, I wanted to hire someone from the music department at, at my high school. I was doing, why don't you do right? You know, the, the song with Roger rabbit, you know, Jessica rabbit song. And uh, I wanted to get one of the people who was in the, the theater department to sing the song, but then she had a theater thing and they were kind of strict. They're like, Oh, sorry, you can't go with those jazz majors. So I just decided to sing it and play the bass at the same time. And I orchestrated a whole horn section to it. So then from there on, I was like, well, I, I, yeah, I can sing and play at the same time. Why don't I just make this a thing? You know? And I did. I was just thinking from what you just said as to how many people do play bass and sing at the same time. Most bass players at the, at the, at the one end, just play the bass at maybe at the other end, they are backup vocals to a, a singer, but I don't know of too many that play and sing at the same time. Yeah. I mean, oddly enough, Paul McCartney, he's, you know, he's, he's a bass player and sings and he's doing some hard lines too. Uh, Close your eyes and I'll guess you do, 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 do. He's like walking a jazz bass line. Since oh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. I was thinking more of the stand-up bass uh, guys than than electric uh, bass. Yeah, I mean, what would, would come to mind is, uh, I guess, Esperanza Spaulding. She's 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 doing that, and she's a, she's a big inspiration. There's this guy named Miles Mosley that, that plays around L.A., and other than that, well, yeah. that's it. There's not a lot of them, so you're, you're unique in that sense, that you're yeah. one of, uh, very few that do that. But you also have a sense of joy when you're on stage as well, don't you? I like to do it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's number one. Yeah. I've talked to jazz musicians um, and several who enjoy being on stage. I've, I've talked with others or I've watched others that are into the music, but not necessarily into the joy of it, if I'm making sense. that They're performing technically on stage and they're probably backing up a singer or or, or part of a, of a group. But they don't necessarily take a external joy in it. You don't see necessarily joy reflected in their faces or in their body language. Right. Yeah. That's that's the hard part is uh, watching musicians that don't like to do it. It's like I want I want to see people that love to do what they do. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. Any, any job, you know, acting, uh, finance. It, do, it doesn't matter if if you love your job. You know, then then you'll love it, you know, and, uh, and, and even, even people who are waiters who come up to me and they're, you know, they're just, you know, they're, they're like, how are you doing today? You're like, they, they love their job. There's certain people that, you know, it, it, it's, it's insane that there's musicians out there that, that, that don't do that. And I don't know a lot of them. So that's the good part. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You're hanging out with the positive people. Yeah, I only yeah, that's 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 my rule is, is love what you do. So. I want to get back to Idlewild for a second because a lot of people are not familiar with Idlewild. I grew up knowing about Idlewild, but now that I think about it, I've never been to Idlewild. What is it about that community and about the school there that's so unique? And it's been it's part of Southern California for a long time. Yeah, it's it it's it's the fact that it's a small mountain town. You're away from light pollution uh regular pollution and sound pollution you know that's it's it just clears the senses and there's so many trees that you breathe in all, so much oxygen it's it's really healthy for you and the water you can eat, drink it from the sink here it's really nice and it's perfect because it's a two-hour drive from la so i remember we would you know because i grew up here i didn't really know about la but for one of our uh one of our projects um the teachers drove us down to the el rey theater and watched uh, Modesky, Martin, and Wood. 
these these really great um this really great uh bass player keyboard player and drummer and it was so it was so cool and we got to see that and then we drove right back up the hill again you know it was like you know we got back at midnight but it was so cool to, you know that that you know that was that's what my, i wanted my career to be is to be a musician playing at the El Rey theater and you can go see that, you know, and at the same time be in a community that is very artsy and far away from the busyness, you know, you can just have this relaxation. How do they, how do they finance that situation? They're meeting the Idlewild arts Academy and the surrounding community. What's the infrastructure like? How do they, how are they able to work it out where you have faculty and staff and, students and be able to create this unique community for so many decades for the school i mean they you you pay a lot of money to go in there that's that's basically it right and the community yeah there's a lot of people that that come up and it's not even like a skiing community but it's it's just a, a relaxation place so i'm sure that there's like you know there's a lot of people that sell firewood and there's coffee shops and stuff like that so that's basically it as long as your base doesn't turn into firewood i think you'll be okay yeah, well, worst case scenario, if you're freezing, you know, you can either use it as firewood or a sled to get down to the, you know, <laughs> desert. <laughs> exactly. Was it a, was it a cultural shock when you first went down to L.A. and to the El Rey? Was it in the sense that you you're coming from a very small mountain town? No, because my my grandmother, she on you know, my dad's side, she she lived in uh, she lived in uh, Eagle Rock. And so we would go visit. So I, I kind of got it. And and she lived next to a Winchell's donut. And then across the street from there, there was a, a shopping mall. So, I, you know, I kind of got used to the L.A. vibe and mm-hmm. I'd visit friends there even when I was, you know, out of it. So uh, no, I, I was used to it. I was used to the L.A. vibe. You mentioned donuts. So I've got to bring up. I don't have to bring it up, but you, I, I asked you if I could, because I think it's important for people to be aware of health issues. And you had been diagnosed with colitis, uh, I guess, in your freshman year. I, uh, yeah, uh, freshman, well, freshman year of at college. at college at University of Colorado, I believe. Yeah, Boulder. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And what? Yeah, so that, that that's actually a big reason why I quit college because um, I was just having these horrible pains and pooping blood. That's basically what ulcerative colitis is. I mean, it's it's the the colon just attacking itself because there's, it's just, there's, it's, it's, it could be stress. It could be bad food. And, uh, and that's, I think I was very stressed out and eating really bad food um, then. So like donuts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so since, so I had a surgery to remove my colon and, and since, since then, you know, so technically I don't have ulcerative colitis again because I don't have, those, those large intestines. So that's the, that's the good part. Um, and ever since the surgery, it was in, um, October of 2022, ever since then, I I decided to, to not drink or smoke or, you know, I've just been sober and it feels really good. And now this year, um, I've decided to, uh, not eat sugar as well, not eat sugar and not eat bread because it's, it's really not the best for you. I mean, uh, also salads are, are not the the best for me. I'll still eat vegetables, but I got to cook them pretty, pretty hardcore. Yeah. It's roughage otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what happens. I actually tried to be a vegan, you know, six years ago and, uh, and I would just eat salads every day and, 
it was great because I got thin, but I was having my ulcerative colitis symptoms. So, yeah. so I, you know, I'm still figuring it out, but I, I now know, I mean, I just went crazy because it was Valentine's day and my birthday, my, my birthday was on the 12th. So, you know, I had cake, I had, you know, all that stuff, but it's been good to um, figure out what is not, what's not good for me. And, uh, and so now I'm just, I'm just eating, trying to eat a lot healthier, just eat just, just some good meats and, uh, and, and fruits and hot vegetables. So, well, that's good. And the reason I wanted to talk with you about it is so that anybody watching or listening who may have some symptoms and not know what it is that could possibly be that they'd have to check with a doctor to have it diagnosed properly, but at least there's a a light at the end of the tunnel in in your case. And you, and, and it's interesting, you mentioned about giving up sugar and of course sugar is responsible for a lot of things, but one of which is inflammation. So I would think that your choice to give up sugar makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And processed sugar, I should say. Yeah. Processed fruits, sugar, right. fruits has that stuff. And, right. Right. And honey. Yeah, so yeah, it's a good, it's a good, I think it's a good decision for, for everyone. I mean, yeah, it's, it's good. And it, you know, like I learned a lot about weight loss as well, which I'm trying to, I'm trying to cut down as well again. Um, because, because, there was times where everything I would eat, it would come out just blood. So, so I stopped eating. And so I went from, I lost about 40 pounds Hmm. for those, you know, in those, those, that surgery time. And so, uh, again, I looked really good, but man, it was like so unhealthy. So, um, now the next step is to, you know, I I figured out, cause I was, I was just literally laying around at home and, and not eating. So that's, that's, that's what it is. I just got to eat less, you know, I'll, I'm exercising too. I just got back into exercising and uh, yeah, that, that does help. One last point about this. Then we'll move on. But yeah. when you travel to perform, that's tough too, because especially if you're flying, there's airline food or airport food. And sometimes you can get some good food in the airport, but not necessarily on the airline, but you're traveling, you're staying at different places in different venues in different cities so you have to be even more careful about what you eat than if you yeah. were just at home preparing. There's your- a lot of healthy options. I mean, even at gas stations, there's 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 bananas in there. Yeah. Actually, some of the time they're 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 in the perfect condition, you know, because they got those brown spots all over them. Those are my favorite, you know. And you know, uh, I, I'd prefer prefer those over like the really green ones. So yeah, yeah there's well, a might be a healthy option, and and even sometimes there's there's nice sandwiches with meat in them at at the at the at the airport and you can get those and the beef jerky is is not bad either because that's just straight up meat you know so mm-hmm. straight protein yeah no, i'm glad we, we had this little discussion within the larger framework so people can get a sense of what they can deal with if they find they have it well when did you know that you really were starting to make an impact was it on idle or was it before during after impact in what way impact on people that they became more aware of you? Oh, it's definitely idle. I mean, uh, I mean, part of it was, yeah, during Idle Wild Arts, when I went there, I mean, the, you know, even before then I, I would, I did a talent show and people, people I didn't know were coming up to me and like, Hey, good job at the talent show. So that was like, Oh, this is a nice feeling. So, so that it started then. And then Idle obviously was incredible because you would do a show and you'd feel really good. And then you'd be walking around the next day and they'd be like, Hey, you're that guy. And, and <laughs> so I was like, Oh, nice. And they knew you by your name. You know, it wasn't just some character. Well, I think that there's three ways to be known. One is, as you mentioned, the, your local group in your local area. And then there's the music community or the musician community. 
and that could be nationwide or even global. And then there's the general public, which is even obviously more of an impact. And that would be, for example, your appearance on Idol, uh, many appearance on Idol. So I guess you were starting to become known in, in these different circles and different stages to where you're now a, a known, I'll use the term brand, even though it sounds impersonal, but you're a known brand and you're, and that I think helps you in terms of your career, in terms of bookings and performances, et cetera. Yeah, it does. Do, do you like recording jazz? I do. Yes. In fact, um, I've recorded probably three jazz things in the last couple months. Um, yeah, and, and they'll come out. There's actually some, I really like the music of Zelda Ocarina of Time. It's a Nintendo 64 game. And so we just recorded it. And uh, part of me was like, well, we can report, record this part first and this, but we know we all decided as a jazz band to just record all in the same room. And we Old just, school, the yeah. Best take. yeah. And that, that's, that's really the spirit of it. So that's, that's nice. It feels great. Yeah. It's the way Sinatra did it with the orchestra right all in the suit in the studio. Right. I mean, today with technology, you can record part of it and cross the world, another part of it, and then two weeks later, another part of it, put it all together. But it's right. nice when you can collaborate like that. And I, for any of the information, go to CaseyBasie.com for all of his information on on not only his albums, but his, his bios on there and a bunch of other information, uh, upcoming appearances. And of course, he's going to be at Vic's Las Vegas, as I mentioned, March 1st and 2nd at 7.30 and, and 8.45. When you travel, do you find that the venues vary as far as sound, audio, staging, et cetera? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I never try to take it personally if there's something weird, you know, because at the end of the day, you can, <laughs> you, can you can feel the music. There was there was this they call it was a casino, but a racing one, a racino. I've never heard of it before, but um we we played and there was no monitors on stage. So they offered these, these earbuds, but I, I, my ears are kind of small. So it's like, they don't fit. And uh, so I just, I just did the whole show with just, just by, just by kind of feeling the energy, same thing at postmodern jukebox did that a show in Vegas actually. And they offered in ears, but it just felt better to, to just kind of feel what the audience was feeling. You know, I was like a couple, couple feet away from the, the actual audience. So it's like, why not just hear what they're hearing and see if I'm in tune. And I, I would listen back and it was, sounded fine. So. Well, you could technically, I would assume, bring your own in ear monitors, your own personal ones and hook into the system as need yeah. be. And that could, that could help too. Is this your first performance in Las Vegas other than through postmodern as, as Casey, or have you been here before? I've been here before. I've I've been to the Suncoast Casino. I've been in Henderson at this really great amphitheater. I've I've played a couple of other shows in some other casinos, but I guess this is like the first one that's like really on the strip. It's on the strip, right? No, it's actually downtown. It's right next to the Smith Center. Uh, the oh, okay. And I've played at the Smith Center with Postmodern, but not not as myself. So right. I've I've done it before, but this is the first one after after the surgery so no that's great it's yeah. it's your post surgery performance how about exactly. post operative performance i guess would be a better way do you have do you have any um limitations based on after the surgery that you have to be careful about i just want to go back to that for a second other than diet but i mean do you have to kind of rest or make sure you get enough sleep a lot more water 
more water. Um, yep, no. more sleep and just be close to a bathroom a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get you. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, you, you've been very open about it, which is why I wanted to talk with you so some people can hopefully benefit from, from your honesty on it. Yeah. And uh, what do your parents think about your career as it is right now? Because obviously you mentioned about sitting with your mother watching American Idol, and then the next thing you know, you're on it and what you've done since. So I think that I think they like it. I mean, they came down and watched me at my sold out show in, in L.A. with my birthday show. And it was great, you know, and they were very they were very happy. Do you look to anyone um, besides Marshall in terms of for inspiration or for advice on how to progress in your career playing the bass? Uh, no, no. Um, I mean, I I looked I looked to Scott Bradley who did postmodern jukebox and the guys who do scary pockets and uh, and uh, you know yeah I look at those guys because you know it, it's 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 they've they found really like a really good niche you know to mm -hmm. to figure out like how to tour with it so do you see yourself going into the production side of things more especially with, with recording albums. Do you like that part of it or do you? Rather yeah, I'll do that. I'll tour. And um, I'm actually starting a, a talk show as well, because I want to talk about people who've been on Idol or just people who, you know, have been on shows like that. And I think it's really important. So when will that launch? Uh, this year. This oh, good. Year. OK. Yeah. And they'll be able to find it on your website. When exactly. Yeah. OK, great. Do you, will you have the time for it? Because I know that you you perform. So you're traveling to some extent. Yeah. Yeah, and your schedule really depends, like a on bookings, but b how you're feeling and see what else you're doing because you're doing exactly a yeah stuff, right. It's, I mean, that's even better because you know I, a lot of my time should be resting and hanging, you know, hanging out. So right, what's what better? What's the easiest thing is just to just hang out and just talk to my buddies about what's going on in life and what they what they went through. You know, that's huge. And did you ever end up at the El Rey Theater? I I did I did not by myself but with Haley Reinhardt and okay. and uh, I I played with her there and uh, no I I haven't I, I'd like to play there uh, to be honest I'd like to I'd like to maybe go to the uh, Troubadour or um, the Roxy Theater those are some really good spots and I'm I'm aiming aiming for that I the reason I brought up L Ray just because to, again is it going back and completing a circle having visited there when you made the trip from Idle World. And then all of a sudden you're playing. Mm. There's that that type of connection. At least I saw right. it that way. Maybe right. I didn't, I don't know if you saw it that way, but it seems like a, you're coming full circle again. Well, it was full circle when I played with Haley and I did a, a couple songs with her. It was really it was like wow, I've 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 been in this audience before. Like what an right. amazing. Thing. Yeah, it's got to be. Before I let you go, uh, Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Tell us about that because again, that's a if it's not a personal touchstone, it's certainly a American cultural touchstone everybody knows about carnegie hall oh it, it was insane to to play with you know some of the greatest people at carnegie hall including Haley reinhardt and uh you know branford marcellus was there aaron neville was there dd bridgewater and it was all because of uh irvin mayfield he's a really big trumpet player in new orleans and so it was a very new orleans vibe and i got to sing hit the road jack with Haley. it was really cool and, and play a bass so it was super fun and it was just so cool to be to say that I've played at Carnegie Hall. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has yeah. been Casey Abrams performing at Vic's Las Vegas March 1st and 2nd 
at 7.30 and 8.45. For more information on the show, go to VixLasVegas.com. And for everything about Casey Abrams, go to CaseyBasie.com. And you can follow him on Facebook, Instagram, X, and YouTube. And Casey, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for thanks for the talk. Good to, good to hear you, man. Same here. See you next yeah. time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Happy Las Vegas. Anything you want us to be.